Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. New tap room now open at Sass Drive and Cameron in Regina. Well, welcome to the Three Down Greencast with myself, Joel Gasson, and John Fraser. And uh, we've kind of been thrown for a bit of a loop as we uh, we had this great opening segment planned. As uh, as you know, here on the Three Down Greencast, we generally don't like to rant for the sake of ranting. There's no mm-hmm. rant of the week brought to you by Joe Smith Plumbing or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it's a little forced. I feel at times, but uh, by you know, in sports media in general right now, and we we like to rant when it really feels like it's really deserved. So it feels like it means something. Yes. And in this case, we were all prepared. Well, John was very much prepared to go probably on the rant of his life, which is saying something, if you know John's history of ranting on podcasts. <laughs> it's fair. About something the Winnipeg Blomber, Blue Bombers should have done. It didn't look they were look like they were going to do until the last minute, but then they did, in fact, trade for a quarterback. And as the Bombers do, they just went ahead and ruined everything. So thanks, Winnipeg. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Winnipeg, for ruining all our fun and actually going out and getting a decent quarterback that you so desperately need to maybe keep my slim hopes of finally seeing my team win a Grey Cup alive. Um, yeah, no, I was prepared. If they would have stayed idle at the deadline, um, I would have. I might have had to record this outside because I don't know if there is a room in my house where I wouldn't wake either of my two sons from screaming at the top of my lungs over how frustrated I was as a Bomber fan. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I, I guess that's that's entirely fair. Like, you would have been that scene from The Simpsons where Homer swell, swears so loud that like it keeps cutting out, and like more and more things keep happening. That that that, that <laughs> yes. probably would have been you. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, I probably there may have been a noise. I would have felt bad uh, for my neighbors. My neighbors to the south are uh, are new Canadians. I, I like this is their very first time in the country. And uh, they've almost always have their windows open. And I could only imagine what they would have thought of this 
lunatic outside screaming <laughs> at the top of his lungs at 9.44 about uh, and when only it's hearing like minus one five side out. of our conversation. Exactly. And just <laughs> screaming and swearing and cursing. Um, my one neighbor that I know pretty well that lives across the alley, shout out to Ralph, uh, he would have got it. He would have heard me swearing about the bombers. But uh, yeah, it could have been a terrifying experience. So the bombers did, in fact, ruin perhaps a live arrest on the Three Down Nation greencast, or at least a warning for a noise complaint as I scream in my backyard over frustration. But yes, the bombers actually going out and doing something, unlike everybody else on CFL trade deadline day, um, took it was again to you know to quote the Simpsons. It's like the Halloween episode where Homer's urge to kill rising, urge to kill rising, urge to kill falling. Falling. Rising? Falling. So, urge to kill, urge to yell about the bombers um, is low. I've for also now. had about for now. I've also had about four beer tonight too, so that helps. Yeah, and I mean, this is, this is really inconsiderate of the bombers, considering it really should come down to our content and our clicks. I mean, that's right. We are clickbait, so that's really you know the most important thing for three down nation, right? So the, the bombers really should be looking out for us and. And really, like a live arrest of John Fraser on a podcast really would have really would have got us some listens, I'm sure. So, oh yeah, no, we would have been uh, we that would have been a viral moment, and then like all the click extra clickbaity sites could have been <laughs> man, man podcast in backyard. You won't believe what happens at the three minute mark. Saskatchewan man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so yeah, we will get into uh, the trade deadline in a little bit, kind of the big picture on the the amount of nothingness that generally speaking happened and continues to happen, and why nothing generally happens at the CFL trade deadline, and maybe mm-hmm. why we should all lower our expectations about it a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, we're also going to talk, of course, about the big rider win over the Bombers and how they've put themselves in the driver's seat for something that, honestly, I didn't think was possible at the start of the season. So Agreed. I'm going to uh, do a little bit of a mea culpa on that one a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk about potentially the loss of Cam Judge, and we're going to also do a little bit of a look around the league a little bit and see uh, kind of where the cards are falling as we head into the final four weeks of the regular season. And we head towards uh, our, the most wonderful time of the year, the uh, the Great Cup playoffs. Yes. But as always, John, uh, before we get all that rolling, uh, since you've already spilled it all over your uh, recording spot <laughs> today, what's in the glass this week? Well, what's in the glass? I wish there was more of it, and it didn't explode when I opened it. Um, <laughs> uh, other night, I walked into the Sobeys liquor store, and, you know, in the in the beer cooler, there's the, like, single cans for, like, a ridiculously discounted price. Yeah. And most of the time, it's like whatever cheap vodka seltzer that all the kids are drinking these days or some, you know, shit cider that is way too sweet that nobody wants. But today, like a blessing from the heavens, like a blessing from Zach Caleros upon the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, There's a couple cans of uh, Bows in there. Uh, Bows, as we've mentioned them before on the podcast. uh, B-A-U apostrophe yes. s not like b-o-h to be clear exactly. yeah exactly like I, I ain't drinking bow mr craft beer man is not drinking bohemian uh on this podcast i'm sure i'd be banned for that but uh from kind of out in your neck of the woods kind of yep. eastern ontario there um having the good time session ipa yeah, solid beer it's a it's a fun can uh got big dominoes falling over the other thing i like for a guy that likes a, a, a nightcap or a pint of, or two, because I love beer almost every single night, um, only 4%, but with all the IPA taste. So Yeah, that's um, what a session IPA is, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's good. It's it's very good. It uh, tastes good. Um, 
Yeah, it's uh, nice and crisp. It almost reminds me of a fat tug. I know I've talked about fat tug before. Uh, yep. Without the the bite of that like eight percent alcohol, which of course fat tug drunk is a totally totally different kind of drunk. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure when I'm staying with you here in a couple weeks and we record this uh, actually in the same room for the first time ever after too many beers, maybe we'll have some fat tugs that night. Yeah, uh, maybe. But yeah, both solid choice. They're uh, from Van Vleek Hill, Ontario, kind of uh, in between Ottawa and Montreal. So they they kind of cover both markets pretty well, and they're uh, widely available across the country now. I believe they've they're 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 a cool little story of uh, what was once a family owned brewery and needed cash to expand rather than selling out. They uh, sold shares to the employees, which is kind of cool. Hmm. Yeah, so kind of kind of like uh, Great West up here in Saskatoon. Yeah, a little bit like that. Uh, yeah, for cool. me, uh, I'm staying within the province. I am uh, giving in to the apparent arrival of winter, at least for now. Uh, they've been staring at me for a while, and I finally uh, gave in today and bought them. Plus, I'm feeling a little sniffling under the weather, and sometimes a nice dark beer, I feel, helps a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I'm going with the uh, Robust Porter from Blackbridge. Just a nice, dark, roasty son of a gun that just uh, hits all those notes you would expect from uh, from such a beer. Yes, I have a uh, can of oatmeal stout waiting in the basement. I'm still not willing to accept that winter is upon <laughs> us just yet. Yeah, I mean, we might, we might, there might be, a, you know, a bit of a turnaround. We might get back to 10 again at some point or something. But uh, I think for the most part, uh, most point, uh, most part in English, the uh, the good times of summer are probably over. But uh, that just means, uh, that means uh, the beer goes from, a, you know, a little fruity or a little lighter to a little darker and richer, which is, of course, nothing wrong with that. Absolutely not. Uh, you may argue that there's something wrong with the CFL trade deadline, as it uh, oh, yeah. came and went uh, on Wednesday with uh, pretty much no fanfare other than uh, the eventual trade of Zach Claros to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. It was mm-hmm. kind of rumored earlier in the day. Uh, kind of sounds like it was the last hill Jim Pop was willing to die on before getting yeah. canned in Toronto for some reason. Anyway, we'll get to that in a bit, maybe. But... This more comes around to the fact that I, I see a lot of tweets from a lot of people talking about how boring the CFL trade deadline is, and you know, and you know, seen tweets from specific older media type guys who were like, "Well, you know, how come half the league can move in free agency, but nothing happens on CFL trade deadline day?" I was like, "Well, well, like let's let's take a step just, back here." He, he is just the worst. Can I just go ahead and say that 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 like. I have a story about that media scribe that I believe I've told you that I'm not going to share in the podcast, but uh, it it involves intentionally ruining an interview with me so he could feel like he had the exclusive, and uh, I've had no respect for him ever since. Yeah, so it, it's just there. I think we're we're so you know hockeyized to make up a yeah. word in this country that we're so used to watching the NHL trade deadline and there are 36 hours of coverage on the sports networks and. You know, how many, you know, maybe not so much big deals these days, but just the total, the, you know, the general quantity of deals that get done. And yeah. we're all like, oh, you know, why doesn't this happen in the CFL? Well, I mean, it doesn't really happen that much in the NFL either. Like, as far no, as I can remember, no. the NFL trade deadline isn't a big deal. Yeah, there's trades in baseball at the deadline and then basketball. and But it, there's, it's a very different sport. And it's it's hard in football to plug a guy into your lineup with a few weeks to go. In hockey, yeah. in basketball, and baseball, sure, you know what? You can bring this guy in, and they can learn kind of your system and the way you do things on the fly. You can't really do that in football. If you bring in, like, an, a, you know, a big star offensive lineman, and you throw him in there right away and expect him to perform, he's probably just going to get run over because he doesn't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So there's obviously there's that part in play, and lots of other factors, too. At this point in the season, I imagine 
probably every team in the CFL, maybe except for Ottawa this year, probably spends to the cap. And their yeah. their budget is set, and yes, there's only four games left, so it's not a lot of money per se that you have to add to the cap, but it's still difficult to maneuver the cap at this point. So, sure, there's probably teams like Toronto and Ottawa that are willing to unload players, but they don't really want roster players in return. So, how are you going to make that work salary cap-wise on top of that? So, there's there's this, you know, football reasons, there's guys learning the system, and, you know... If there are, you know, if the players that are available on the market are even a fit for what you do is a whole entirely other thing. It's again not like hockey where you just plug a player in and figure out where he fits. You need to know. So if this guy's a middle linebacker, he's good, but does he fit what we do with our middle linebacker? There's all kinds yeah, of exactly. questions that just surround it compared to what you see in other sports. So the CFL trade deadline isn't a big deal because of that, and it's the same pretty much probably across professional football. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. The NFL, like, I even remember, I, I watch a lot of NFL Network and a lot of those shows from down there because I just love football. <laughs> they don't even do anything really special. They kind of did the same thing that we were doing on the website today, a live blog with Twitter updates from each one of the teams. But I do have an idea. I have a great idea here, though, if people want to get it spiced up, Joel. And I, it involves you and me. Mm-hmm. I think what we need, we need, like, okay, we'll live stream it on 3Down Nation. And we'll have Dunk, obviously, because he's Mr. Insider. And he'll mm-hmm. be like an octopus man working like three different phones, you know, trying <laughs> to bring up scoops. Um, Haji and Smith can host in the Three Down Nation studio. And then they'll cut back to you and me. And all we'll be doing the whole day, if nothing breaks, is tasting different beers. And we'll see how good <laughs> the beer reviews get throughout the day, right? So they can come back and say, well, here's a tweet from Montreal. Um, yeah, looks like they're not doing anything either. Uh, now back to uh, Joel and John. Joel, I, I'm so full, but I opened up another beer. This one's called the... Yeah, I think it would be ratings gold. And Dunk and Haji and Smith, let's make it happen. I will even... I'll travel down to Regina, and you and I can uh, live stream this from your new place and uh, just get just get unequivocally shit-faced for the day because that would be the most interesting thing. We would probably have to do it in the garage or the basement then just for, like, easy cleanup sake. Fair enough. I mean, you can barely open a beer tonight. I can't imagine if after, like, an entire day of nothing happening at the (laughs) CFL trade deadline. (laughs) Well, I opened up number two without – I was a little worried there. I opened it up slowly (laughs) while you were talking in case uh, it exploded all over my, my bedroom that I record in. Uh, just like the first one, but but yeah, but, uh, to your point, it is it's such a tough sport to to work guys in, and I mean, especially with such little time. If if they moved yeah. it up earlier in the year, if it was at like the halfway point of the season, maybe something happens. Well, that's even you and I were talking before we started recording. Now, okay, now you're the bombers. They're saying all the things that Chris Trevler is going to be guy. He's going to be the guy. He's not going to be the guy. We know that. It's probably going to be a two-quarterback system at best, like with Glenn and, and Bridge with it's a sketch we did a couple years ago. But even at that, Winnipeg only has three games left mm-hmm. to work a brand-new quarterback in with a brand-new system who's now learning his third system all within a year. And and Paul Apolises a- is probably one of the more complicated in the league. In a, le- oh. in a league filled with vanilla offenses in general, Paul Apolise, and you know, we'll get into this in a bit other than last week, generally steps outside of that box yeah 100 percent. so it's you're right it's not it's not an easy thing and i mean baseball's a, a team an individual sport disguised as a team sport um you're right with hockey and yeah it's it's a tougher thing to do in football and i think you know minus a couple key positions 
one football player generally has less of an impact on a team than, you know, the sum of all the parts, right? Mm-hmm. So that's why you don't see a ton of player movement. And, and let's be serious, too. If you're if you're Winnipeg, if you're Kyle Walters right now, you know, there's a good chance Hamilton's not going to trade with you because you might be the crossover team. Same with Montreal. Well, they're um, not going to be the crossover team. Edmonton's not catching them. I'm pretty confident. Fair. No, that's that's <laughs> fair enough. Yes, Edmonton is a fraud team, but but still, even in that remote possibility, you know, you're not. It's not like Montreal would no, entertain no. the thought of of say moving Antonio Pipkin because no. you're probably going to you could potentially see them in the playoffs. Yeah, Hamilton is not going to move anybody. Well, and and, and, at, I, and I've seen lots of people talking about McLeod Bethel Thompson, and it's like, well, why would Toronto make that move? He is, despite his flaws, he still has a lot of touch. He's still shown flashes at times this year. Oh, 100%. That he has. It, considering where Toronto is, he's worth hanging on to for now to see if maybe you can develop him further next year. Well, and I mean, it's it's very obvious that, that James Franklin, who couldn't be given away by the Argos, is no longer in the conversation to be the starting quarterback there. It is a McLeod Bethel Thompson. Speaking of James Franklin, who is someone, I believe. A couple years ago, when everyone was talking about him going to the Riders, said he hadn't proven anything yet. Yeah. And a lot of people were kind of upset about that. Who was uh, that? I don't huh. remember. Some guy. Huh. I don't know. Anyway. Huh. Huh. Weird. I wonder who yeah. that guy was. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, regardless, um, um, going back and adding more to the Joel scoreboard from many years back, but if you're, if you're Kyle Walters, you know damn well that Calgary is not entertaining the thought of giving you Nick Arbuckle. No. You know damn well that. Well, they, they need the to put teams... Bo on the injured list again at some point to save salary, right? Well, apparently, right? That's the only reason that <laughs> Bo went. It's not like the guy went and saw a shoulder specialist. It was very clearly hurt and very and clearly has to throw agree the to go on the sixth game. You know, none of that's possible. No. And no, none of that. And it's not like Bo, from everything we know, was very much a competitor. This is a guy who said no to an NFL job because they said, yeah, you're going to come in and hold the clipboard. And he's like, no. Well, I'm according to him, to... the team turned him down because they didn't want to cause controversy. Well, that's exactly that, right. I mean, <laughs> you're too good for our backup spot. What? Ex- what? Exactly. You're too good for a backup spot. It, we we will sign you, but you have to be okay with holding clipboard all year. And he's like, uh, no. So you really think a guy like that is going to willingly go on the six game list because you paid him too much? Yeah. Like, oh god, I. You know what? I I, I do love Rod Peterson. I do. Uh, I consider him a friend. That was just a bad take. Yeah. That was like Fraser levels bad. That was just... It was bad. another... It was this him seeking attention again. It's what he does well. Fair enough. Fair enough. But so so now once you eliminate all the West Division teams, the two playoff teams in the East, even that might have a surplus of quarterbacks, you know, I look at a guy like Antonio Pipkin. Ottawa they could have maybe got like Dom Davis back or something, but that's not going to help you. Well, that's exactly it. That's, that, that's why, you, you know, you have so many teams in the CFL... Making the playoffs, you st- you still have you're an eight team league that six teams make the playoffs. A nine team league, but yes, pardon. Uh, it's it's easy to understand that. Wow, Ottawa clearly really, I've had too many of those beers. But it's really, yes. I mean, I understand your thing because Toronto and Ottawa are like half a team this year. It's so. true. That's that's fair. And 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 I mean, Toronto might get relegated and let Laval come up and play for uh, for next year. But it. Uh, yeah, there's there's just not that spread. So you know the trade deadline is is not going to be anything. And realistically, like I could I could have maybe seen Duke Williams going someplace out of Toronto, but Darrell Walker, yes, Darrell Walker, Duke Williams, Duke Williams is in is, Buffalo is, is in Buffalo scoring touchdowns and probably playing some relevant <laughs> minutes. Any other corrections I can make for you tonight? Oh wow, probably a few <laughs> more, Joel. I'm, 
wow, I am clearly this is uh, this is my finest moment right now. But uh, oh, I thought about Duke Williams because I was thinking about picking him up on one of my fantasy teams earlier today, actually, oh, yeah. and I think that's why he's stuck in my, oh, my mind. Yeah, e- okay. Either way, um, <laughs> I would just go full Don Cherry and just start saying guys' names wrong, right? <laughs> but this Darrell Walker um, was maybe the only other guy. But but again, going back to your point, we even look at Jordan Williams Lambert. This is a guy that was in Saskatchewan last year with the same offensive coordinator, and they were still like, okay, we're going to give you a couple weeks to figure things out again here, Mm -hmm. right? So even if you were to go out and get Darrell Walker, you're still bringing him up to speed with three or four games left in the season, and it's not an easy thing to do in football, so... Yeah, I still say we start the web the web show on the three uh, uh, for three down nation uh, with the live blog, and uh, you and I will just get shit faced on uh, company dime. We might not be able to get company dime, but uh, we might be able to uh, might be able to work our sponsor a little bit to uh, uh, help us out. Yeah. On Oh, Pile of Bones does make lots of different beers, and we could try them all in. We could one probably sitting. we could we could simul we could just simulcast from their new tap room on Sass Drive and Cameron in Regina, blocks oh. from the new Mosaic Stadium. We we could do that. We should we should probably do that when I'm down there for the Heritage Classic. That would make sense. Oh, we're going there for sure. Like, there's no question about that. Oh, fantastic. We might as well just settle in and live there. We might as well set up a tent. <laughs> and you're, as long as you're okay with living off tacos, then. I mean, uh, have you met me? Of course, I'm okay with living off tacos, tacos and beer. Um, <laughs> I am be the happiest man alive. So we're obviously talking a lot about the trade deadline and the big deal. The you know, I guess the only deal at the trade deadline uh, came about because uh, the Riders. Exposed the bombers in a way that I, I, I mean, they've been exposed a little bit at times yeah. since. Like, it really it seemed to really spiral for them once it was official that Matt Nichols was out for the year. It's yeah, like I don't know if that took a little bit of something and you know a bit of the mystery around it away a little bit. But now that he's done, it feels like this revelation has gone very <laughs> very wrong, and that's what forced the trade. And the Riders, I think, really exposed that in a big way and it clearly showed that they learned from the Labor Day Classic in the Banjo Bowl because and I, I believe and, and there was a, you know there's some people I didn't see the game live I watched it later and there was a lot of people talking about you know they didn't think it was that entertaining of a game I thought both defenses actually played very well um, oh very well the Ryder defense got a lot more help from the Bomber offense or the Bomber defense of the Ryder offense but regardless yes. both defenses still played very well and I think that's important to note but man that Bomber offense had nothing and there was this never really a sh- you never really got the thinking that they were really going to do much of anything, and the book just appears to be out on them now. At least the way they were doing it, and that's why this trade had to be made. So you can you can force a quarterback in there at times who can actually throw the ball, even though he can't throw it deep. He can at least throw the ball. Yes, and because it was first down, you know they had you know they were covering Andrew Harris. They had seven in the box, and to the everyone else, you know the other guys on the field to their credit. If that ball was thrown to the screen like it was quite often, they rallied quickly to the football and made the tackle, something they didn't always do earlier in the season. So a ton of credit to Jason Shivers and that group to getting them ready for that game. And they just made sure that, okay, they're not running on a first down. We're going to put the Bombers in, you know, second and long, and then we're bringing heat, and they couldn't stop it. If they forced (laughs) quick throws, and they got in Chris Trevor's face all night, and there was just absolutely nothing that they could do about it. No, you're absolutely right. It was, it was that, that was the Saskatchewan Rough Riders just put out on tape a masterful performance on how you stop Chris Trebler and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, I, I think, too, you mentioned that something seemed to change when they knew Matt Nichols was out. And to me, that changed again. I watch every Rider game, I watch every Bomber game. 
it seemed as though they were more interested in protecting Chris Trevlin. Um, rather than letting him, like in the Labor Day Classic and the Manageable, just letting him basically take one, maybe two reads and run if he needed to, they seemed to be forced. And a large part of that was what Saskatchewan did with limiting the gains, but it was just like since since they knew Matt Nichols was out, they had to turn him into a pocket passer and they had the regular season to do so. And clearly he is not capable of that whatsoever. I mean, again, Saskatchewan is a very, very, very tough test, seeing the best defense in the league three times and some of your you know, most pressure-packed starts you've had as a young starter in this league was exactly why they had to go out and get Zach Caleros, right? They just need something, you know, and, and we were talking about it, that they almost need a Kevin Glenn-Brandon Bridge situation that allows Chris Streveler to go out and be Chris Streveler basically you know the league's third best running back right so um it was impressive though like this was this was you know all hyperbole aside the winner of that game as you and i had discussed is the inside track for first in the west and the riders came out and did their job and did it spectacularly the offense um weren't lighting the world on fire against a good bomber defense for good chunks of the night but yeah and that's fair they that, figured I mean, it. That, that bomber defense is is going to do their thing still as, as much as they were yeah. torched for a few weeks you had you had to imagine that they would eventually get it back to some degree of order yeah it, it, exactly and and they did and they they kind of kept you know things in check there against against the riders but they're able to prevail make some slight adjustments again i was just so impressed with cody fajardo like give that man his two three years four-year contract hmm. like yep. he wants to stay in saskatchewan he wants to stay long term coming up big in these pressure-packed games against a rival with first place on the line and just looking you know his wife's in the stand he still just looked cool as a cucumber for most of that game he still had a couple moments that he went but it it, it it again he continues to look like the guy mm-hmm and he was able to overcome that bom- that bomber D. Now the question is, now you have the next biggest game of the season coming up here as they take on the Calgary Stampeders. Yeah, and and this will be the test for this offense because they've lost since starting one and one and two. They they've lost one game, and that was the Calgary yeah. Stampeders. Well, they lost two games. They they, they basically the banjo bowl was what it was. That was kind of one of those wash away games. So in games yes. where you know. You know they lost to Calgary, and that was the you know that was a moment for this team, and I think that was a moment that I, I wrote it at the time. Sometimes you need to get your ass kicked to figure it out, and I think yep. I think that was part of what happened against Calgary, and we've yep. seen it since. And what's always been most impressive to me about Cody Fajardo in this offense is okay, yeah, they're not the most dynamic offense in the world. Rarely are they going to go out against a good team and win by putting up forty five points. That's just, yep. this is not what they do. Could they do it if they had to? Probably in the yeah. right circumstances, it might evolve into that, but it, it, that's not what they do. But what they do do well is when they need that touchdown, when they need the drive, they tend to get it. Yes. And that's what we saw. We've seen it a number of, numerous times throughout the season, and they're just battle-tested. They've been yeah. through so many ups and downs on both sides of the ball over the place that nothing really phases them, I don't think. And that's that's going to be key coming in the playoffs where... You know, if you're coming down to a drive, especially when you're at home, whether it's in the West semifinal or the West final, you have belief in this offense right now. Even if they've done yeah. nothing all game, even if it's at the 12, you know, you're down 12-10 in the final, you know, final two minutes of the game, 
you're like, no, I, you know, they've done nothing for so long, but I know the Cody Fajardo, okay, they're, they're down 15-10 to make it interesting because you need a touchdown. Of course. You know Cody Fajardo has the ability, despite of anything that may have happened all game, to get that drive when he needs it. And he got a little help last week because you know, Shaq Evans shedded it and you know had a 61-yard touchdown. But still, they they still looked poised in that drive even before Evans got free for the touchdown. And that's yeah. that's where you know, that's to me is the biggest difference between this offense is an offense we've seen under Stephen McAdoo on this team. Even the year before last when they had the Glenn Bridge thing going and it was, you know, the offense is pretty good, but you, you, there was still something you felt was missing. And I think, I think yes. that it factor is there for this offense this year. It's not, it's not going to go down as one of the greatest offenses in rider history, by any stretch of the imagination, but you can trust it to get a drive to either get that touchdown or the field goal when you absolutely need it. And and that's true. That goes all the way back to labor day. And even some of the early struggles last week against Winnipeg, you know, you're kind of there, there's not that, that sense of doom, right? When, when the team looks at the offense starts to sputter and things, you're like, okay, they're going to get it figured out, which I think is essential. I mean, to me, I, I, as much faith as I have in the Riders, even if they go down, I think they need to come out and punch Calgary in the mouth. They yeah, need well, that, to that, that would be a huge message to send for sure. Oh, and, and, and I think they need to send that massive message because, I mean, if you <laughs> – and everybody's talking about the season series and stuff like that, but thanks to the favor that the Montreal Alouettes did for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, you'd be two games clear of Calgary – with a victory here. So it's massive. You could put it on cruise control for the last three weeks, right? You'd be two games up with three weeks left to go, two against the fraud that are the Edmonton Eskimos. The other against so, BC. again, this is huge. And, and now you're facing a Calgary team with Bo Levi back that's got that's starting to get healthy, Don Jackson's back, you know, all these guys that are clearly tying up salary cap and had to go on the six-game injured list are back because they can pay them now. If by some miracle they could win the game by more than 30 points and take that tiebreaker, then they've effectively locked up the West. Calgary since 2001 has lost one game by 28 points or more. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Riders, again, if, if they can pull it off, if they could somehow just kick the shit out of the Calgary Stampeders, which I, I don't see it happening. No, I, I see, see the Riders either. winning. No, I see the Riders winning. I, I see them putting themselves in a powerful position to take the rest of the West, uh, you know, the West Division, especially when, again, you've got a couple games against Edmonton to finish up the year and, you know, a team that probably should fire their head coach now, um, but won't, yeah, it's, obviously. It's thought for... across my mind. I texted you at the time. I'm like, do they try to salvage something right now and just do something desperate like that? Right. I And I did not disagree because, obviously, that, that team has quit playing for Jason Moss and, you know, they are, and, and, and we've talked about this, how you can see the personalities of teams follow mm-hmm. their coaches, and this year's riders are chill, they're having Good. fun, you know, they're confident and everything like that. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. the Edmonton Eskimos are just an angry shit show. So, um, yeah, y- y- you can you can tell that, and that's who you get to finish against. So, yeah, this is the biggest two games in the Saskatchewan season, and in a position that... Uh, quite frankly, especially when we thought Zach Kolaris was going to be the starting quarterback, neither you or I thought they would be in this position this late in the season. No, and, and this is where you know I'm you know I I'm not afraid to admit when I'm wrong, and I, I, this is one of those situations where heading into the season, I wrote about it, and we both talked about it on this podcast, where this was probably one of the more interesting you know preseasons in Rider history, where we mm-hmm. didn't really know where things are going to lie after such a upheaval after the departure of Chris Jones more than anything 
with the yes. new head coach, a new general manager, first time in the job, really, and this whole the whole the whole picture. And so I, I remember I said anything between second in the West and last in the West would yeah. not surprise me. So the only way I could be wrong is if they finish first in the West. And there certainly is, you know, different things that need to fall into place for that to happen still. But the, the chance is there. So I'm willing to say at this point, you know what? I was wrong about this team. And there's nothing wrong with that. It, it happens. You know, I'm paid to have an opinion on this website. So that's what I did. And it didn't seem like an unreasonable take at the time. And I, I still don't really think it is. But the fact is that this is actually, yeah, a really good football team that has come together so well, I think under a lot of props, deserves to go to Craig Dickinson, who in my opinion is definitely in the conversation for coach of the year in the CFL, and has mm. brought them with a shot of having, you know, being finishing first in the West, which is something that, frankly, doesn't really happen a whole lot around here. It is such a, it is no. rarefied error for this team to really have a shot at hosting the West final. Because even the last time they won the Grey Cup, they finished second in the West and had to go through Calgary. So really... You know, this is something that doesn't happen very often, and it really needs to be noted just how well this team has played to have that opportunity. No, and and, and you're absolutely right. The defense has turned into what what we thought it was. Uh, and yes, uh, we both can admit that we're wrong, unlike lots of other sports people. Um, if I couldn't admit that I was wrong, I would probably <laughs> never speak on a podcast because I once thought that Johnny Manziel was going to lead the Tiger Cats to the Grey Cup, so I've still got that on my resume. Um, you're right, Dickinson. I think Dickinson, he won't get considered. He'll get a nomination, but I don't think he'll get considered for Coach of the Year after Kahari Jones and what, oh, what, yeah. what's been happening out east with those two teams, right, with Hamilton and Montreal. But, yeah, uh, of course, yeah. yeah it, it's you're right. Like He's very quietly turned this into a very, very good football team that I think the doubters have been silenced a little bit. You know, I, I don't hear as much of that in Saskatchewan. I don't hear as much of the, well, you know, they haven't beat anybody, Rama Lama Dub Dub. No, um, Edmonton hasn't beaten anybody. Um, Saskatchewan has beaten good football teams. And I believe, wait, no, what is, what's Vanstone predicting? I don't know. Vanstone I, predicting I, a win? I haven't seen yet. It might be a little, I haven't seen, to be honest. It's usually at okay. the bottom of the Brennan Tamman column, and I haven't I haven't seen that one yet, so. Okay, so fantastic. So whatever Vanstone picks, I need to pick as well to cancel out the Vanstone pick. This is the math we figured out a couple weeks ago. Yes, something like that. Yeah. I was just I was just about to predict, uh, you know, make my prediction for the game. Now I realize, for the sake of Ryder fans, I need to wait till Vanstone makes his pick and cancel it out. <laughs> well, we're not re- and... we're not re-recording this, so exactly math and stuff. Well, I'll just I, I don't know. I'll just tweet it. Okay, I guess no, I guess no, that's fair. At this, uh, he might still follow me. I don't know. He probably. I feel like the Vanstone probably gave me a sympathy follow and then probably unfollowed me a couple weeks later. Let's Seems check probable. this. Seems probable. Yeah, I don't know. Ah, he still follows me. All right, I will just quote tweet him when he makes his prediction and cancel it out. <laughs> Sounds good. But the interesting thing to me, and I want to go back to the game against Winnipeg a little bit, was the decision Craig Dickinson made to challenge a reception by Shaq Evans that was originally called incomplete on the field. Mm-hmm. And there was there was some, I saw some chatter on the old uh, Twitter about, oh, so he's challenging this reception to still attempt the field goal. And I was like, really? Just think about this for a second. Read, uh, to, to, you know, basically read the room, which is basically the case, the game here. Yes. A field goal in that spot effectively sealed the game for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. 
it, it would have made it a two-point converted touchdown game, so they would have gone up eight after that field goal. Yeah. Which no one believed the Bombers were going to score a touchdown and a two-point conversion at that point. It would have been... Right. And then you still would have had overtime. Or yes. more time left on the clock to take the lead. So it was 100% in my, in my belief that Craig Dickinson challenged that because it made a 49-yard field goal, which Brett Lowther can make. There's no question about it. A 34-yard yep. field goal, which is considerably easier. And which is automatic for Lowther. Essentially, yeah. So when it's such a tight defensive football game where points is at a premium, and ironically, John Ryan's rouges that were unfortunate bounces actually worked out for them in this game in terms mm-hmm. of the scoreboard, that three points is huge. <laughs> so, yeah, he was still attempting a field goal, but that was 100%, even though it was going to be his last challenge of the night, the right decision to challenge that call because effectively that field goal sealed them the game. So anyone who thinks, oh, that, why would you do that? That's why he did that, and that is 100% a smart football coach, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, and I, and you and I are very much from the new school of thought. Um, we very much align our views with uh, our friend Derek Taylor, um, thinking about stats and, mm-hmm. and math, and the team should go for it on two more often and go yeah. for it on third and short more often. Um and that's how we think. So, I, <clears throat> occasionally, moments, old school thinking comes into play, though. And I think it, that was it, one it of them. It does. Well, it, but that, but that's right. But I mean, still, I think there's been fewer moments like through this whole season. We haven't really. I mean, we haven't really talked about Craig Dickinson. Yeah, I mean, because it's been covered up by a lot of a wins. Bit? It's been covered up by wins. In, in a lot of my columns, I've talked a fair <laughs> bit about some weird decisions he's made from time to time. I think over yeah. the course of the season, as a rookie head coach, he's learned from them, which is a really good and important sign. But yeah. a lot of his other you know, kind of weird decisions, he's been able to overcome by the fact that they won. And then when asked about it after the game, he actually admitted error. Unlike what a lot, a lot of other coaches don't do. So I think that kind of takes yeah. the heat off it because he comes out, he's like, yeah, my bad. I shouldn't have made that decision. And then we're all just like, oh, okay, moving on. <laughs> you know? Well, that's fair. You're right. There's, there's no, there's no second guessing if a guy comes out and just says, yeah, I effed up and uh, I shouldn't have. And uh, yeah, I won't do it again. And he continues to prove that he, he won't do it again. So, and that is one thing I really like about him. Some humility in a football coach, which is so rare. Mm-hmm. So rare. I've interviewed so many coaches, and it's so rare. Oh dear God, so rare. <laughs> Some of them just in the coaches in alone. general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll. That'll be a. Maybe that'll be if we ever uh, like our uh, like our friends at uh, Two and Out who are now selling out live podcast recordings. If we ever get you know in a room with like four people, maybe then I'll <laughs> spill the beans on some of the egos of some of the coaches. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that would be an off. That would be an off mic show. We do like uh, shut down full cast live, but uh, you know the portion where the mics turn off is when we talk about that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, and boy, would we have stories. Um, and see, we could tease that, and we still get six people. Yeah, probably something like that. <laughs> we, we, I, we would probably just hold it at a bar that would just be busy anyway, so it looks like they came to see us, but didn't actually. Yeah, we better not. We better not sell tickets like the boys in two and out because we ain't gonna sell shit. No, none whatsoever. <laughs> uh, on, on a more serious note, um, this game against the Riders for the Cal against Calgary is obviously a huge one, as we've talked about. But they're, they're, they've been dealt a bit of a blow now, as Cameron Judge is in, in, in very all likelihood 
not going to play in this game. And yeah. this is a guy that we talked to. You know, he's, he's had a weird career in Saskatchewan. He gets drafted, and then there was, you know, he had a bit of a slow start, and then there was a whole thing where we weren't sure if he's actually going to keep playing or not. And then yeah. he eventually came back after his injury, and then he, he's just been on an uphill climb ever since then. And I think this year it's safe to say he's probably, and I know the Derek Moncrief fans are going to get their backs up a little bit on this one. He's probably, I would say he's been their best linebacker this year. Maybe one of their better defenders in general. Yeah. Um, he doesn't make maybe as many splash, splash plays. He's got as a quarterback a few times is nice, but he's a solid, and he's been everything that they thought he would be when they originally drafted him. And to lose that against Calgary at this point, I mean, I, I guess the break is this isn't past years where there's the John Cornish that would take advantage of this. Though I guess they have Solomon yes. Almameem at least, but at the same time, this is going to be a significant loss for this football team heading into such a key game. Yeah, and, and, and you're absolutely right. If he, he's a guy, if you watch him, he's not making the big fancy interceptions, but you can definitely tell that he will He did be make a, a pretty slick one a couple weeks ago, though. He, he did, actually. No, you're right. He's just he's a good, solid football player. He's a Canadian, so you know you can do things with the ratio. And he's not Sam Hurl. No. So even there's that. <laughs> that's, that's right. I, I don't think this is the longest we've gone in this spot without ripping Sam Hurl. It just felt natural, well, he's right? He's special so. teams all year, which is where he belongs. He's, so. been a, he's been a beast on special teams all year, right? So, And it is nice to see. It looks like the reps aren't going to Sam Hurl um, <laughs> so far th- this week. But you're right. And all of a sudden I had flashbacks to the John Cornish days where it just yeah. seems like Cornish could just run up the middle even if you had seven guys there and just kind of like fall over and get eight yards somehow every single time. So mm-hmm. John Jackson is not John Cornish. So it is a loss that will be felt yeah. uh, by the Riders. But I don't think I, – I think with the weaknesses in that Calgary run game, I don't think it's going to be you know quite the same as it was before. No, not not to the same level, but it is still this is this is significant if it's more than a week. If we're talking about Cam Judge missing time yes. as the season goes on, this is going to be a problem for them because he's that good. And I, it was um, yes, Jamie Nye for the Green Zone wrote the commentary this week, or I guess wrote the commentary, but also spoke the commentary on the radio. I read it online because I don't know this from the radio anymore. Where there was, I guess, uh, I guess on TSN they do the the Seven Eleven top whatever every week where there's certain players of certain yeah. categories that they pick and they pick the I think it was seven Canadians this week and Cam Judge it wasn't among the top seven yes. Canadians but like Sean White and these other randos were and I'm like I'm, I'm not going to sit here and argue that Cam Judge should win most outstanding Canadian or anything like that he should maybe be in you know kind of the, the periphery of the conversation but you cannot tell me that Cam Judge is not a for whatever because it's the sponsor a top seven, I would say he's arguably at the very least a top ten Canadian in this league right now. He, he might even be one of the better linebackers, period, in this league right now, to, no matter the nationality. Yes, absolutely. And he should have been in this conversation. And the fact that he was left off that list, and there's been a lot of those lists, a lot of them have been very weird to me. We haven't really talked a lot about them because it's this weird sponsored con- content by TSN and whatever. But this one is particularly like, really? Have you like, have you really been watching? The games, and I, I don't think a lot of people really watch defense that closely, and how good Cam Judge has been, and how you know, as a Canadian, how effective he really is in that will linebacker spot. It, you know, we've seen a lot of good Canadian Max over the years, but to have him, you know, he was good at Mac at the start of the year when Solomon Alamimian was still not playing. He was solid yes. there, and then he moves to Will, and he's just a solid. Like, what more do you need out of this guy to get in recognition? Well, that's because I feel like the. Um... 
the unnamed sponsor power rankings are likely also just concocted by, you know, the people that are, you know, say working at some at said unnamed sponsor. I think so I mentioned just them happen. earlier, so whatever. That's right. Either way, it's probably just made up of people that are like, hey, random guy at 7-Eleven who's hyper annoying in the commercials. Who do you think's the best riders player? Who's good Canadians? Like it just you're right. Those rankings have seemed so very random throughout the entire year. So, kind of so like this I, program. I, I, yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, no, we're all over the map all the time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.